Welcome to the Parenting Podcast. Moms, wherever you are in your parenting journey, or however you became a mom, we want to come alongside, addressing your questions and concerns with helpful insight to lighten your load as we dive into the reality of parenting. We are your co-hosts, Cheryl and Ellen, and we want to share practical answers. But our goal is to have relevant discussions that give you heart and strengthen you both today and for the years ahead. So join us now at the TPP table as we share together, helping you flourish and bringing your heart hope. Ellen, I am so excited about what we're doing today. Yeah, I am too. I've got three friends sitting in here with us. Y'all know Ellen, but we have a friend to our <laughs> podcasting room, Michelle Johnson. Welcome back again. Oh, this is so exciting for me to return and get to talk with you again. Isn't it fun? And a new friend, not new to TPP, Kyla Pace. Yep. Hi, everyone. Glad to be here. Did you guys get to listen to the last episode that was about being a master chef? Yes. Yes, it was great. <laughs> Do you guys like to cook? <laughs> I enjoy cooking. Um, I think mine's more baking, though, because I have a sweet tooth. <laughs> I like to cook as well. Um, but trying to cook for my whole big family and we all can enjoy it limits me. But I enjoy it. Yeah, that's that's probably true for all of us. And I know that I've always enjoyed, you know, being maybe a more gourmet cook. We kind of talked about that on the, the last episode. And then Cheryl, recap what we talked about. Okay, the season two of parenting, and we entitle it the training years. If we could boil it down to a few things, like Ellen said, MasterChef, that's what we said. That's kind of our job during this season. And we're talking about little four-ish to eight-ish on either side, and being alongside of them to walk them through that. And we don't want to just equip them with what to do, when and how to do things, and when to sit still, all of that. We want our goal to be their character to lay down principles that they will take with them into the next seasons of childhood and into their life. Does that make sense? I just love that analogy, just the master chef, because I think of someone that is an expert, if you will, and that is training someone alongside them, like you were talking about, in such a way in little increments at a time. So you don't just say, go cook a big steak dinner. You have to start with little small things. And so that's really helping me understand and wrap my mind around this concept here that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think about coming alongside, I feel like with my kids, that's what they're craving. Mom, do this with me, play this yeah. with me, teach me this. And it's beautiful. It's exhausting, but it's wonderful. So I think that's their craving. So coming alongside makes a lot of sense. It's so a simple time, probably one of the more simple times you're going to have in mm -hmm. your parenting years. And so we want to take advantage of it. And it's a really good time in their life where we can teach them how to have relationships 
I mean, this is the relationship building years for their future, as well as our relationship with them into the future. So on the line of coming alongside and the kids wanting my time, it just sparked a question because I'm a more introverted mom. That's my bent. But I have several extroverted kids. (laughs) And I just was wondering, like, your advice on how to create margin so I can be fully present, so I can talk to them, come alongside, give them the time they need, but not be completely exhausted. Well, that's, yeah, that's a really good question. As a mom of five, I had to try to figure that out too. And one of the things that we did, we assigned each child a special day during the week. So that meant they got our undivided attention for maybe an hour. It might be dad taking them out, getting an ice cream or just going for a drive, me setting aside time where they're the central focus. And it's not so bad when you divide it out over the week. It's not every five hours every day. It's just one hour where that child knows, okay, I get my special time. And so, you know, in talking to moms over all the years, I will tell them Ellen and I are external processors. And that brings with it some energy to be able to do more emotionally, verbally. And so there, there is a perk to that. But the downside is we do too much emotionally and verbally, you know, and we can just vomit out too much. So I, I really hear you. And you use the word margin. And we talked about it last time. We'll say it over and over. It's a trendy word right now. And they do... Um, all kinds of TED Talks and everything else about margin. But it's more important to have margin in our relationships. Our most important relationships are within your home. So you've got to have margin for everybody, including yourself. Can you think of a place, I mean, actually in your lives right now, if you think about it, where you might be able to rob some time and emotional energy that you could use so you can handle it and can give yourself more easily without being so very drained. I'm just asking. I don't know. Can you think of something? I keep thinking of the constant pool of social media in my life. And I've cut it out and I've done without it. And then someone's communicating with me. So I add it back on my phone and it just sucks me in. And oh, 30 minutes are gone or I don't get enough sleep. And so for me, that's what I'm thinking. It's It's a time waster. It drains me. It fills my thoughts with stuff I don't need. So it would be an area to, that again, you're you're stealing time and focus Mm -hmm. from that. Even what you're talking about, Kyla, um, even in the morning when I wake up, I have had a tendency to go check my email, to check my messages because some of my friends get up really early and start sending me stuff. And so... I'll check them and listen to it. And, you know, that's the time of day where I can actually get stuff done. I don't have any little ones around me. But at the same time, I'm noticing and I'm glad that you're bringing it up because I've started to wonder if this is really causing a problem during my day because I start in on it and then it just fills my thoughts and I can't get out of it because I feel like I need to answer. I need to go think about this. I need to go research. I need to go figure out what I need to do next instead of focusing on what my day is going to look like, getting grounded to minister to my kids. And um, so 
I think that that's very, that, that's an issue for me too. It adds on 10 to-dos onto, you weren't even expecting that mm-hmm. in your mind. Well, I think the devices make us feel like everything's urgent. Mm-hmm. There's just something about the way they've made those devices with the ding. Some people even have like alarms, you know, that sound like a ambulance or something. And so we really do become slaves to that. You know, we think, oh, gosh, I got to answer this. Because reality is, if we sat back and thought for a little bit, most of the stuff I don't need to answer right now, it's not urgent. It's not life changing, you know, and. That's something probably we all have to work into our lives and say, you know, not right now. Well, this is where you can buy some time and buy energy because all those things already, we're talking about you being internal processors. We external processors are distracted by it and it physically uses time. But already you're being drained in relationships and words. Mm -hmm, That's right. Your full cup is already draining before your kids even get up. Some to consider. Definitely. But then at the end of the day, I feel the same way. <laughs> I feel drained too by all the relationships. So. so I'd love to hear back from you. If you find what works, I'd love to hear particularly for this particular issue. Okay. So I was really enjoying your story about Alex going to the bank and how you prepped him to be able to talk to the teller at the bank. Mm -hmm. And it really made me think more about my children and how they're individually wired and the personalities that they have. And you talked about how um, you really needed someone um, helped you to understand that Alex wasn't trying to be disobedient. It was just the way he was made. And that was just a difficult situation for him. And so I'm just wondering, how can you um, train these different personalities when you have, you know, they're not all made the same. So what does that look like to train um, a child who is maybe more compliant versus a child who is not as compliant? (laughs) As our resident non-compliant, Ellen, what would you say to that? Well, um, I think that Cheryl's story about Alex was really helpful because it kind of showed as a parent, that's what we have to be aware of. We have to know our children. And I think sometimes as moms, it's really good to sort of think through scenarios in our heads and how we'd want to discuss those with our children ahead of time, regardless of who the child is, and maybe even what the consequences. So that in the moment, you don't have to be doing everything. You kind of have, you don't have to have it, you know, point by point by point, but have a general idea. You know, this is a, this is a big consequence and this is a little consequence and kind of know ahead of time, you know, you've thought through some things. I really like that. My favorite parenting guru is Paul Tripp. He has such wise help. And one of the ways he's helped me is to remember life, but particularly parenting, it's not events. It's a process. And so if we think everything is pass-fail, we're going to make it, we're going to ruin our children. Oh, if I didn't say the right thing, and now I have to meet all my children's needs. If we see it that way, we're saying we're infinite, and we have all of this to give, and we're totally failing. But if we can look at it as a process, but that's going to take the slowing down. And like you said, the studying, and I love the term dialogue to slow down and talk with your children to understand. 
you had a great example because Ellen's just never met a stranger. She does a great job at that. But you said you're more um, internal processor, shyer child. One time I asked you a question. Yeah. And you, you would never have thought to ask the question. Yes. One of my children asked me who was the introvert. She said, Mom, how do you make friends? And I was really, I didn't know what to say because I'd never thought about it. It just is like you go up and say hello. But if you're an introvert, that's a huge step. So that was a really something I had to think through and kind of had to eventually try to walk her through that. Yeah. And with me, because I have met a lot of people and I do talk a lot with people, but my kids say, oh, mom, it's so easy for you. I don't know what to do. And so we've had this dialogue over the years because it is easier to be all about me. And I'm just telling you, I'm a selfish, prideful person. And I'd like it to be about me, but as I'm growing, I hope I'm being changed to be a person that loves others better and better. And so the thing I equip them with is ask questions, because a good conversationalist asks questions. So I'm giving a specific answer sort of to what she's saying, but that sort of dialogue saying, ask questions. You can ask questions, listen to people, slow down, and then just ask a good question. So that sort of thing, it ha- comes from the dialogue. And if Ellen weren't in dialogue with her daughter, she probably never would have asked that question. She would have thought, I'm a failure, I'm stupid. Obviously, I'm failing because my mom's so good at this, but because of their relationship. And that's why relationships are so important. And the same if we go back to even Alex being that young, because the shyness lasted him quite a while. It's gone now. But to be in a relationship where he felt safe with me, even though I'm not shy, to be able to talk about how he felt about it. I wish I had gotten an A-plus in that in my parenting, but I was growing and learning alongside my kids. How do you keep yourself from repeating I tend, I notice that about myself, that I tend to say the same thing because I'm hoping that they will do what I've asked. On the fifth time, maybe. Right. (laughs) I don't want to do that. I really want to just say it and they do it. Um, Where do you, how do you get to the point where you can just say it and they do it? Great question, Michelle. Me too. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, I know with my children, one of the ways it helped me to, to not nag was having that conversation where you made sure they knew what you wanted. So if it was, I need you to have the bathroom cleaned by three o'clock. Okay, mom, I have to have the bathroom cleaned by three o'clock. So there's a good kind of short conversation on that, that that's fully understood. I also asked my children, do you prefer to be told something or do you prefer me to write it down? Hmm. And that helps a lot because if you're a visual person, you don't hear as well. It goes in one ear out the other. But uh, if you're a person that's audible, then you're going to remember stuff. And so depending on the child, I would, for one kid, I would write it down. For the other kid, I would tell him if I told him again, they got mad because they felt like I, you told mm-hmm. me that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Remember, it's a, it's, a, um, it's a process. They Thank you. It's a process and they're being trained. We just have to learn to be more patient as they're doing it, unless you discern they're ignoring you. We have to remember, they may be able to articulate, they may be able to read quickly or play soccer, or they're tall, or they're just whatever, 
but they're still really immature inside. So we have to have that with grace. You have to begin to start holding them accountable, um, even to a small degree, with the little ones. And you start small to succeed big. And then I agree with the writing down. Some of my kids want it both ways. And had one very golden retriever puppy-like. And so trying to come up with ways that you could remember, go get this, do this, do that, like three little things. And I, this is, I don't know, six camouflage era. And I even got a little camouflage flip notebook and a camouflage little pencil. And I said, hey, what a great idea. You just write down. And then when you get the first one, you look at the second and that will just remind you. And he said, Mom, if I could remember to look at the notebook, and then I begin to realize, okay, I, this is going to take some development mm. and to work with them and to stretch that um, attention span. Does that help? Yes. And then my mind goes to, well, what happens if they don't follow through? <laughs> You've required it, and then you have it reminded, but it hasn't happened. That depends so on their age, their temperament. Um, again, is this a pattern you see all the time or something suddenly changed? Because sometimes moms will say, wow, my, you know, whatever it is. And I say, has anything changed? Well, yeah, my husband just got a diagnosis or we just moved or we just had a new baby or school just started and they've now in a whole new school system. Okay. You know, that explains it. But if they're ones that just don't listen to you, then you can start holding them more accountable. That's super yeah. helpful. So it just, it got me thinking because you said at some point you have to hold them accountable. And Ellen was talking about, um, if I have to tell you twice, you know, there might be a consequence. How do you implement consequences with keeping the relationship in mind? Because in your last podcast, you talked a lot about keeping the relationship um, walking alongside, talking to them, getting to know them individually. And sometimes I feel like with my own kids, we spend so much time talking about it that by the end of it, I'm exhausted. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> wait a minute. I guess there needs to be a consequence. What do we do? So help. What do we do? Well, obviously know your child. You're explaining what they did that warranted a consequence, but the consequence should be impactful. It doesn't have to be horrendous, but it has to, um, the consequences have to um, weigh against what the infraction was, if you want to put it that yeah. way. And so those are the things that as a mom and a dad, you need to think through ahead of time. You can't have everything plotted out, but you can have general ideas and then think of each child and what, what is a consequence for them? Because like I said, some of my kids thought that was the greatest thing to be able to go sit on their bed. But then when I said you can't have a book, and it felt more of a consequence. Yeah. My, also, Kyla, developing this relationship and having dialogue doesn't mean that they get to lead you around and just argue with you. So a dialogue is not arguing. Now, there can be energy to it and emotion, but that's where you have to have the awareness they're arguing with me. And so I'm going to cut the argument, slow it down. Um, and one of the wonderful things I wish I'd learned it 25 years before is to stick to one subject. So if they bring up, well, that's not fair because my brother gets to do this and yesterday, da, 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 
go, oh, okay, I'll be glad to talk about that. But right now we're talking about, I ask you to pick those things up off the counter. Are they arguing about it to prolong this and wear you out? Or they're not owning up to it? And then you have the right to draw your boundaries. There are boundaries in this. This is not a paid counseling session and they can rant all they want. (laughs) And you have to gauge it for the person and their sincerity. And also it goes back to kind of lecturing. If it's too long, they're shutting down. They're just trying to get out of it. Right. That's what I saw in my kids. And they'll take advantage of us. <laughs> if if they, oh, mom's going to listen to, I can keep going and going, and maybe she'll forget even what I did because we're talking so long. <laughs> and they didn't care. That was just the ploy. Well, yeah. You know, yeah. even if they didn't understand that, that was just kind of the deflection to get mom to talk about it. Yes, I have recognized that in our conversations at home, too. I think that's a really good point, making sure that you're not falling into an argument and getting led around in different. Oh. And you can always come back to a conversation. Yeah. You can say, okay, I hear your points, but we're, right now your consequence is this. And then if you still want to talk about it this afternoon, we can sit down and continue mm-hmm. the discussion. That's good. And you're also... Right now, you're kind of referring to when you're actually at your house, which is a little different. If you're out in public, you may need to say to the child, no, you need to do that now. We'll talk about it later because it's not a, an appropriate time. Maybe there's time constraints. There's nothing worse than maybe you're at home and you're running out the door and your child's lost their shoes for the 50th time. Mm-hmm. So that's not the time you're going to want to spend. Right. And a really good slogan for that that I've found is you deal with it when it's the issue you discuss it when it isn't. So occasionally I have situations where we've been at someone else's home and we've had a play date or something, for instance, and something happens where my children do something that was obviously not okay. Either they had a a conversation and shared something that happens at our home that people don't need to know about. For instance, my two-year-old runs around in her underwear all the time and, and my daughter is sharing that with everyone. But, you know, I have to talked with her about when's an appropriate time to mm-hmm. share those things and when it's not appropriate. And I find myself wanting to just start talking about it immediately when we get in the car. Is that the right time to talk about it? Because I'm, I'm worried that I might be making her embarrassed or feel ashamed that she did something wrong. So I've been wondering how to approach those kind of mm-hmm. situations. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. Because the same thing, I want it fixed. Mm-hmm. Let's fix it now. I'm not loving my child best. Because you just said, is she's going to be embarrassed and is she's going to be defensive. It's a little bit like the lecture. How can I be driving the car and, and not be lecturing? It's kind of hard to have that dialogue. Plus, I think it should be private, not in front of the others. Mm-hmm. Because all the reasons to show respect. It's a respect issue. You know. Someone you respected, you wouldn't do that to. So why can't we show respect to our children and remain their parents? Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes as parents, we probably can take our discussion time and put it in half. Uh Mm -hmm. You know, because we have to also just be age appropriate how much we discuss. Mm -hmm. But, you know, most of the time, if you give your child a reason why you're doing it, let them say something if they want to, and then move on. Mm-hmm. Because really, most things our kids do aren't a top-tier crime. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they're just things that they have to learn. As Cheryl had said, this is the first time for all of us. It's the first time for them. It's the first time they went and met friends in a sandbox. So we have to teach. That's the whole point. We're training them how to get along with everybody. Mm-hmm. And they don't innately know. Mm-hmm. That's good advice. Yeah. More time isn't necessarily better. Yeah. But it well-invested time. Right. And particularly with, with everything that everybody has going on nowadays. Also, I'd like what you're seeing. Because think about it. If you bring all the emotion out of it and you wait mm-hmm. and you watch a good time and say, hey, come here. And you put your arm around him and say, remember kind of we were talking about some of the ways that we love and respect our family. We don't talk to others about things that might embarrass them. You know, kind of when you were saying that today, if her guard is way down and all of that, that just looks to me like a much better way to have the conversation. Mm -hmm. Because then you're really dialoguing and she probably knew it. Mm -hmm. I doubt that was the first time you've ever talked about the kinds of appropriate thing. So just want to know, you know, that's just the kind of thing we ought to do because if we think about your little sister and kind of then instead of coming in correcting you're coming alongside, and then she doesn't have to argue back. So I don't know, just a little bit being a student of your child yeah, again. I like that. That's and these are the training years for us as moms, because it's training us. So when you go into the next, the teen years, you have already established rapport and relationship with your children. Mm-hmm. So they're used to talking with you, discussing with you. And it, when they get into the more argumentative years, it'll be easier to focus and, and stay on track. But the reason we want them to dialogue back is they're trying to figure life out for themselves yeah, rather than just alongside of you. Mm-hmm. And right now in these years, most of the stuff is pretty unimportant. You know, they're not yeah. a big deal. The next phase of life can be life-altering for everyone mm. based on some decisions a teen could make. But in these, in these middle years, you know, it's usually teaching them manners, behavior, listening, understanding, things like that. Yes. And that's so good. And that when we train, we're trying to train for who they are, not what they do. Mm. So we're using what they do to help them develop with who they are. Mm. And it's not the outcome, it's the process. Say it again, because this is so important, Ellen. What do you mean? It is not the outcome, it's the process. It's the process that we're training ourselves to do, we're training our children to do, to be able to talk back and forth about issues. And that's a really wonderful skill for everyone for their whole life. Yes. Our time has flown. This has been fantastic. Oh, Kyla and Michelle, thank you so much for taking your time to come. It's been amazing. Thanks Uh, for having us. Yes, thank you so much. Will you please come back again? Of course. Yes. Yes. Thank you for making so easy, too. (laughs) It helps. All right, bums. So until next time, remember, hang in there. Keep loving. Keep persevering. Because it's worth it. It is worth it. Thank you so much for listening to the Parenting Podcast. 
We hope it was encouraging to you and maybe gave you some new ideas to help or just a little lift in your parenting day. Remember, we drop our episodes every Thursday, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any. Like or share or leave your comments. We would love to hear from you. Feel free to go to our website, theparentingpodcast.com, where you can find talk notes and other resources. And of course, follow us on social media. We're glad you were here today and look forward to next time.